0: On today's episode of the Harrison Vapnick Podcast, we're bringing on CBS sports writer, Sirius XM NBA producer, David Shepard, to come on and talk about his time covering the NBA, what it's like being a producer behind the scenes working the NBA, his GOAT, is it Michael Jordan or LeBron James, his career in watching basketball from a young age to now. The New York Knicks, he's a Knicks fan, how the Knicks have had a huge season this year. This was recorded about a month ago before they even really popped off and a lot more turned into a great interview with David Shepard, sit back and relax, because it's starting right now i'm now joined by from cbs sports national Sports writer and Sirius XM NBA producer, David Shepard. You can follow him on Twitter, at The Good Shepherd. David, welcome on.
1: Harrison, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate
0: it. So, your main role with SiriusXM, you do NBA producing, you provide headlines, stats for the NBA channel, Mad Dog Sports Radio, you cover live NBA games, you do mixes of music, you get interviews, you book players, you do a lot of the behind-the-scenes roles. We talk to a lot of you know on-air people and reporters, but you kind of do some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. So, tell us a day of the life of kind of a producer in the NBA.
1: Sure. Well, basically, you have to be aware of everything, um, you know, twenty four seven, seven days a week. You know, it's it's never, it's never ending because you know if there's breaking news. Well, first of all, you absolutely have to follow Shams and Walsh. Uh, you got to follow Mark Stein. Um, you know, Rachel Nichols, uh, David Aldridge, and so it 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 really is a, a a situation where you have to be on the ball. And if there's breaking news, like for example, if there's a Joel Embiid injury, even if you're not even working that night uh you have to be able to you know decipher hey i know i need a guest the next day because i know everyone's going to want to talk about the hyperextension umbrella. um you know if there's a situation like a kyle lowry potential trade you know you have to be on top of that because when there's content on a show that falls on the producer you know if there's a situation that breaks and that topic is not brought up on that show that doesn't fall on the host that falls on the producer. So you are the backbone of the show. When it comes to doing a certain read, when it comes to breaking news, when it comes to uh, how compelling the show is itself, the content, that falls on the shoulders of a producer. So, you know, it's basically um, like, you know, the, the hosts are, are have the name on the show. There's certainly the, you know, the, the reason why people tune in, but uh, you are, you are the boss and that's kind of how you have to have, look at it i know hosts don't necessarily always want to have that be the case because um you know hosts are big names and they're powerful and they and they do you know uh, determine you know the ratings and they certainly determine the dial but this is your baby as a producer so you always have to be on alert at all times
0: has there been a time or a good example that some news has broken when you're producing or if it's a game or a tv show or a radio show that is any big news that is broken that you have had to cover
1: Yeah, I remember we were doing a a post-game show. Um, And I believe it was the Zion game, his rookie season. Um, Or no, Summer League. It was Summer League. And I remember he got hurt. And he was basically ruled out uh, for the rest of the Summer League. It was his first game. And he was amazing. But, you know, they wanted to really be careful of him. And then at one fifty, and our show ends at, it was like one fifty. 7:30, and our show ends at one fifty eight thirty. and uh we see you know there's all kinds of speculation where is Kawhi leonard gonna go where's paul george gonna go those guys with the two big free agents of that particular season especially Kawhi, especially uh you know the claw and so at one fifty seven thirty, asian rosarowski um drops a woj bomb the ultimate woj bomb in my opinion Kawhi Leonard decides to sign with the LA Clippers by the way the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to trade Paul George to LA and we had to stay on for an extra hour um I had to make my program director aware I had to make my executive producer aware I had to obviously let my host know um now fortunately they were both in studio so it wasn't hard to kind of relay that message but had I not done that that would have been bad <laughs> yeah. can you imagine can you imagine like you know having a uh, you know, because basically, you know, for a lot of programming and radio, um, you know, we have something called the capture hour. And capture hour means basically what we do for that hour is then going to replay for the next seven or eight hours until the next live programming. So can you imagine listening to NBA radio for seven straight hours and not once is the concept or topic of Kawhi Leonard going to the Clippers? It's
0: brought crazy. Up? It's crazy to think about that. And, you know, I, remember, I think that night also that, uh, there was some kind of earthquake on the west coast and then the Kawhi News dropped and the Zion thing happened right. and the Paul George thing That yep. might be one of the craziest nights, really, in what turned out to be a pretty crazy NBA season when there was the, the pandemic and the bubble. That was really basically the start of it all. Uh, I know you do some games covering in person also. What are some of the normal ones that you've had to be in the arena for that you remember? Uh, repeat that
1: again. What are the normal ones? Some of the best today. games
0: you've seen in an arena because I know you do live games as well.
1: Sure. Well, like, so for example, like with the arena, it's really cool. Like, I don't, I don't even know if this is answering your question, Harrison, but... <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. All um, right, right, there you go. But, uh, you know, for me, when you, um, when you go to the arena, you obviously just want to make sure that you're, uh, you know, there early enough. And, and you kind of have an idea of what you want to go in with uh storyline. Like, you know, I write for, uh, you know, CBS yeah. Sports Radio. So, you know, you have a, you, you understand kind of the, the mission that you want to accomplish. You know, a lot of people have their own agendas. I don't mean agenda in a bad way, but for example, like, you know, you know, going into it, if you want to, if you want to, like, look, uh, who's, your, who's your team? the uh, Miami Heat. Miami okay, perfect. Okay, so for me, I know that Jimmy Butler's the main guy, yeah, right? But at the same time, right now, what's going on in the NBA in terms of overall big picture is the comments that, you know, Myers Leonard made, mm-hmm. right? Those are very critical. So... A lot of people may be going in and saying, Hey, the heater over you know, two games over five hundred. That's pretty phenomenal, right? That first time they've done that all season. Yeah. But a lot of people are gonna be going in with the mindset of, Well, wait a minute, I don't wanna ask about that. I wanna ask about Myers Leonard. So they're going in thinking, Okay, I'm gonna to look to see the holes that are being filled in when Myers Leonard's not there. So where does Myers Leonard do very well? We know that he screens really well. We know that he can rebound really well. We know that he has the ability to shoot from distance. He's not exactly going to be the quickest playmaker. not exactly going to put the ball on the floor and be, you know, Matt Johnson. And so I'm looking at the Heat saying to myself, how can they fill his role? And that's my angle going into the game. And so I need to know what that is, and I need to constantly be preparing for day one. Hey, let me bring that to the attention of other writers. What is your take on this? How do you feel? So I feel like when you go to games, that is an incredible opportunity to not only push your story, your narrative, but also to kind of pick the brains of your fellow colleagues. And in essence, they're going to also do the same thing. And I think as a, as a writer, you really want to tap into other writers' insights. And, you know, a lot of writers have podcasts and they have their own shows now because so much of what we do in sports is content driven and writers come up with a lot of good content. So I think that it's so is such an important facet of going to games. And I, and I hope that returns sooner than later. Obviously, I know we're not doing that right now, but um, I think going to games is incredibly important, not just to cover, but to build your own. Uh, brand, your own platform, and to continue to connect and build relationships with like-minded people in the business
0: that's an awesome way to look at it and you know you think of games as a reporter you think about watching the game but it's kind of seeing the different things I you know reporters always get there early talk to some of the players talk to the coaches talk to even some of the broadcasters there who know the be- the most about the team who are there every day at practice and you know they're every day walking in and out more specifically a, a single game because that-, that answer was fantastic the one you just gave is there one single game that you know, you've been to and you've covered that like wow that's one of the best basketball games i've ever seen in person Thank you.
1: I I read that answer out of a book, by the way. Literally verbatim. I have a book in front of me just saying, if Harrison asked the purpose of going to a game, make sure you give this. Of course. Um, no, in terms of, uh, the best game I ever, it's not necessarily the most meaningful game, was it was the last game of the season for the Knicks. And, you know, it was, uh, Fisdale's last full year with the Knicks. And I just remember, um, that was really impactful because, you saw the Pistons clinch. And the reason why it was significant for me was because, you know, a, a lot of times in the NBA, you um, you know, there's, there's the perception that, you know, players don't necessarily always care so much about the winning aspect, but they care about getting their numbers and they care about getting their salaries. And to see the players on the Pistons clinch, you know, in the final night, Of the regular season to go to the playoffs things the first time in four or five years that they 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 accomplished that um you know to talk to andre drummond you know to talk to zaza pachulia um you know to talk to uh luke Luke canard you know they really cared about what happened with their team they took a lot of pride in it so i thought that was something that was very cool um to witness And just to see players that, you know, make tens of millions of dollars every single year, um, to kind of see them, um, you know, their passion for the game, their camaraderie, their excitement, that was something that was really cool. And I remember dealing with Fisdale, and I knew that if
0: Fisdale and the Knicks wasn't going to work out, he was going to be in the media, because that guy can talk, man. He's been awesome in the media. I know he was a former assistant coach for the Miami Heat, went went to Memphis, it was, then went to ESPN, then to the Knicks, and I think now he's back at ESPN. He's one of the best analysts and all. I hope he gets back in the NBA as a coaching or assistant sometime in the near future. Uh, Let's talk about some current NBA storylines. I know you've been in the New York area for a long time, watching a lot of New York Knicks basketball. They're having one of their best seasons, really, in the past decade or so. What are your thoughts on how the Knicks are playing here in 2021?
1: I think it's phenomenal. I think it's amazing. I think Julius Randle is, is, is absolutely living up to his potential. Um, I think, you know, uh, Quickly's been great. Um, I think Robinson has a high ceiling. I'd like to certainly see him take the next step. There's, I, I'd like to see Barrett take the next step. Um, you know, we kind of knew he wasn't going to be Zion and he wasn't going to be John Morant, but I would like to see him kind of be at that all-star level. Now, obviously, the guy still has time to see, you know, and we know with, um, you know, Obi, you know, we know that he hasn't exactly been the most durable guy. Not his fault. It just, you know, it happened. Michael Jordan missed 85, 90% of his second season. So we don't really know what we're getting with Obi Toppin yet. But the way Julius Randle has played, the way that he has, um, you know, really thrived and succeeded under Tom Thibodeau's system, to see Rose, to see Gibson, it is a very exciting time to be a New York Knicks.
0: And Randall's been in the NBA. I want to say since 2014. Yep, drafted yeah, in, in 2014. Right,
1: right. And he got and he played that one game. For yep. the Lakers, and then he got and we know he got hurt his first game, and so he really didn't have a he really didn't have a see season. So to see him live up to his potential, the guy's just 26 years old. He's got his head on straight. He plays hard. He's smart. He's talented. You know, he's giving you 23 11 a game. Um, it doesn't seem to be any ego there. It's a great time to be in here expand. Now, it just goes to show how much Patrick Ewing should be appreciated. Mm-hmm. Because Patrick Ewing was all NBA first team, all NBA second team, I believe five times. And they were, they were perennial title contenders, perennial. I mean, we were talking about a guy who went to two NBA finals, not for a John Stark, two for 18 performance. He's an NBA champion in 1994, giving the Knicks their first championship in 21 years. Yep. So, it just goes to show you, you know, we're excited about the Knicks. It really makes you appreciate Patrick Ewing. You know, getting to NBA Finals, we're excited that the Knicks even make the postseason. You
0: know, I think we've won one postseason in the last 20 years. Do you think this team can win a postseason series? I hope, but no. I don't, <laughs> I don't think this is a year. But but
1: the reason I put out Patrick Ewing is because that's, that's the thought I, I have when it comes to the Knicks um you know kind of what happened with him the last couple of weeks I, that's that's definitely the storyline in, in New York um you know for him to be you know questioned and for him to be stopped you know in MSG it's Patrick Ewing he's, he's the best nigga. ever greatest player in the history of the franchise now you
0: you said it best he's I don't know, what happened? The run that Georgetown just made to the conference championship, and now they're in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, Patrick, Ewing, I think should be more respected from kind of the younger generation because all we've known for, for me, living for 19 years, I've never really seen the Knicks have any much success. You mentioned the one playoff series against Boston, I think, in 2013. You said that you don't all think right. the Knicks can win? Good,
1: yeah, good, uh, good. You, know, you know you're an the end, you know. I, I know,
0: I know some things. Uh, back to some good current news. Yeah, that
1: was quick, man. Yeah. yeah, even a Knicks guy. That was impressive. You no, know, it's,
0: it's because, I think it's because the Heat won the finals that year. And, you know, they were, the, I remember the Knicks, the Knicks were chasing the Heat that year in the Did standings.
1: Did
0: they have some guy named LeBron? Uh, yeah, I want to mention LeBron. Do you think, I know you're a big NBA guy. Who's the GOAT, LeBron or Michael Jordan?
1: Michael Jordan.
0: Okay, that was fast.
1: Yeah, Yeah. well, it's not close.
0: Really? It's Pe- not close. People, do, people will disagree with that. So give me, give me your reason for why LeBron's the greatest. I'm, I'm not on, like, I don't feel as passionate about this topic as other people because, like, I think there's different players and, you know, different generations, different games. Sure. I think that, you know, LeBron's durability is definitely a thing. Le- Jordan took a couple of years off. LeBron started playing at a younger time. And I don't think we should discredit, you know, finals appearances because it, it's hard to win three straight playoff series. And LeBron's been to, what, 10 finals? 11 finals? I think it's 10 in that range, so 10, he's, yeah. won, he's won four championships and you know he's still not done yet also but I think for it's very sure. close also
1: no that's fair listen people want to bring up the era um, you know conversation all the time and they want to say well different generations and then they go to the position of well you know LeBron James wouldn't be what he is without Michael Jordan and then people say the same thing about Michael Jordan he wouldn't be the same thing he is without Dr. J and then Dr. J without Elton Baylor and then Elton Baylor without um, you know Hank Lewis City so now we're going back to the 1930s for God's <laughs> sakes but uh, but look you still can compare someone in relation to what they've done compared to their era. And that's the way I look at who the greatest in any sport. Like I I look at it and say, well, you know, you know, in the NFL, for example, there's, there's free agency more than there's ever been before. So, you know, you, can, you know, and you know, it's much more of a throwing game, and, and, and penalties are, are much more, you know, apropos to hitting the quarterback now, and so they're more protective than ever before. So you can't compare Brady to Montana, Montana to, you know, United United to Sammy Ball, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. But I can look at specifically what kind of dominant perspective they had, the position they had compared to the rest of their generation. And no one dominated their generation more than Michael Jordan. Like if I took my if I took Michael and LeBron, many people will say and I can see that they're where they're coming from us, like LeBron James is a much better player because the game has evolved. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you put you you know what I'm saying? Like if you put if you put um
0: like for example, like if you put I'm trying to think of like a good player. If you put like look okay, let's say you put Julius Randle in the nineteen fifties. Like he'd probably get you like sixty a game. Yeah. Right? Maybe that's but you have to... But you have to compare them to their
1: specific era, the time period in which they played in, and because Jordan dominated his time period in a way that we've never seen before, that's why you got to give it to Michael Jordan.
0: It's it's an interesting debate. Last thing about the NBA, uh, we're a little past mid or a little past the All Star break and heading towards mid season in terms of games played. Who do you think is going to go to the NBA Finals this season?
1: Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating. Um, I think the Sixers are the favorites in the East. I know everyone's getting on the bandwagon of the Brooklyn Nets, but if, you know, just watching what they did to the Spurs even last night, um, without Joel Embiid, they, they, they just look like, I mean, they look like they were blowing the San Antonio Spurs out of the building mm-hmm. and they did it without the likely MVP in Joel Embiid. And mm-hmm. then in the West, um, I love the Jazz. I love their story. I like the Clippers, even though they had a tough loss last night um, to the Pelicans. They got walloped. Walloped. Uh, wow, they did. Uh, a lot of W's
0: in that sentence. Um, I would also say you've got to go with the you know, defending champions. You can't discount the Lakers at this point. I think, once again, Anthony Davis back, you know, because the Suns and Jazz are having really good seasons, I think the Suns are really a piece away from really being a strong contender. For Philadelphia, I think if they can get someone like Buddy Heald or another shooter to pair with Seth Curry and gotten Tobias Harris and kind of bring Shake Milton off the bench and give Simmons and Bead and three shooters the thing that makes them dangerous to beat Brooklyn.
1: Sure. No, I'm absolutely. Uh, the Sixers are deep. They are really deep, and I think Doc Rivers is on a revenge tour.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think also, he doesn't. You know what I mean? I don't think he likes how that went down, in, uh you know the bubble. Because I think
1: he feels like he deserves another shot with that group. Because it was his look. It was his first time with those guys. Yeah. You know, and that's what I think is kind of that. That that's what I didn't like about it. I mean, people want to make bring up the Boom Three One series. I get that. He did it in Orlando. He did it in L.A. And another you know, 2014-15 season against the Rockets, and we know what happened in 2021. No business losing that series, and that was that was incredibly embarrassing. But it was his first time with those guys. Too. Yeah.
0: And I think the, you know, Paul George shot sub-20% in the, in, in the series, and Kawhi in the second half of Game 6 yeah. and 7 really fell apart. I think Doc Rivers got a lot of the blame. I think that was kind of the narrative around the 3-1 thing also, and they had to make a move. I think the Clippers are doing fine now, but I think I agree that Doc's on a revenge tour. I'll get you out on this. Uh, I know for a couple of years you were a world history teacher for a school. Uh, just tell me your favorite part about being a teacher, and then also some of your favorite world history events to teach. Sure. Just being a teacher and coach,
1: I think, The commonality is just having the impact that you have on young people, you know, kind of seeing where they are compared to where they want to be and to play a role in that, to know that you had some type of an impact in their growth, their development and actualizing their potential. Uh, I think that is an incredibly gratifying, rewarding feeling that you don't get in many other professions. And then. I think the coolest thing to teach in world history is just civil rights. Mm -hmm. It's just to see people that kind of sacrifice for the greater good, whether it were Gandhi, Mother Teresa, MLK Jr., um, you know, people that really put the best interests of the greater society at the forefront um, in lieu of their own personal interests and gain.
0: Uh, that's definitely awesome. I love I love U.S. history. I love world history. I was excited to hear what you said for that. I loved your answer. That's fantastic examples of you know people like Mother Teresa and Gandhi and uh, MLK. Absolutely awesome.
1: Thanks,
0: I and th- that. Thank you, David, for coming on the podcast, talking all things NBA, producing, and then even some world history at the end. <laughs> My
1: pleasure, Carson. You had some great questions, man. I enjoyed being on. Thank you for having
0: me. Thank you, David.